What is going on, everyone? Hey, listen, this is episode three, The Coach and the Pastor. This is Matt coming at you right now. A few weeks ago on our last episode, Jeff asked me, the coach asked me, hey, I want to know your story. Why are you a pastor? So we're going to talk about that a little bit. I don't think it's all that exciting, but it does lead to a conversation about being a dad, a mom, being a parent of players and athletes at every level. I hope you take some time, listen, give us some feedback. Appreciate it. All right, we're uh, we're recording here, my friend. Back at it. So after, man, it's hard to believe we're mid July already. Summer is uh, about halfway halfway point. It's uh, I'm already getting those back to school blues. You got the back to school blues. Football's full swing. Full swing. Got the kids coming back. Got workouts and we were. Uh, uh, this week it'll be uh, like we had high school camp uh, days Monday, Tuesday, little kid camp days Wednesday, Thursday, uh, senior trip, like they do a, a boating kind of team building thing for seniors. Uh, that's tomorrow, Saturday morning, you got seven on seven. So, it's, you know, we're here five, here. six days a week right here. So. What's two a days look like nowadays? It doesn't look anything like two days. <laughs> uh, it's uh, a little longer extended yeah. practice. You can only go for a certain amount of time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that you can actually have a big break and bring them back. I don't mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. Uh, it changes quite often. But, uh, you know, uh, offensive practice, 20 minute break, defensive practice, and mm-hmm. get out. And you got some time to lift in there. But, yeah. Uh, True two a days are, are no longer. Yeah. Does that all start and mandatory stuff August 1st ish? Yes. I, th- I don't know when exactly the first yeah. day is, but it's typically August 1st. Um, well, it is August 1st because last year it started on August 1st, which was a Sunday, but OHSA said mm-hmm. that's okay. It's still going to be August 1st. So mm-hmm. you either had to fudge it a little bit or get permission to come in on Sunday, right. which almost nobody tried to do that. Right. So. Right. It's coming up quick. Exciting time. It's an exciting know. time of the year. They say July. What July is the, the last month without without real football. So best time of the year, I think. Yeah. So. Well, then this is going to be a real big change for me this year because uh, I I'm uh, going to do the whole teachers' aid thing. So I have to go back to school when they go back to school. And uh, it's always been a sad day for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always. It's never been my yeah. favorite day. Yeah. And uh, now I'm sitting here thinking, uh, I think August 14th, I've got to go back and probably even put long pants yeah. on. Yeah. Put your big boy pants You're on. Right. And I'm, Take- you know, I'm, I'm a guy who's spent the last 15 years at work, shorts <laughs> all the way through whenever I yeah. felt like yeah. it, wherever I wanted to. Now times are changing. Right. So, but I guess the best thing is when I do go back, they're going to, eventually they're going to send me a paycheck regularly. Yeah, so well, that's a big nice. change. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. Uh, that's worth the pants. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so you get to take the kids to school and then you'll go to school with them? How that'll work? Or yeah, two of them will be in my building. So nice. I'll drop two off and the other two will, and I'll walk in together. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. I'm mm-hmm. excited about that. I know some, uh, that was kind of breaks my heart, but. I can't. I always look forward to first day of summer, you know, and I get sad. It's like you. I get sad towards the end of summer. It's like, yeah. you know, uh, there's parties kind of ready for the kids to go back, and there's other parts like, no, like I, I actually, I enjoy. Yeah, you're making a face. I enjoy having these little guys around, you know, right? Going to work, hanging out, whatever. Yeah, so, no, I've never been. I've never been the guy who's been like, oh, I can't wait for school to get here and then yeah. go back. And, yeah. um, 
Last day of school is always my favorite day of the year. Yeah. First day of school is always one of my two least favorite days of the year. The other is when we spring forward with the time. Oh, that's I'm, just I'm yeah. a fallback guy. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't know why we why we play around with time anyway. I don't either. I don't. I don't think that was intended. No, I don't think so. I don't know. We we mess with things too much. So we sure do. Well, I think that'll uh, kind of set set the conversation up a little bit. We'll kind of come back around there to the those times of being a dad and. Um, I don't like talking about myself a whole lot, but last week, last time we, a couple weeks back, we talked and said, Hey, you, you got to tell your story at some point while you're a pastor. Right. And so I thought about that. And I think, I think in telling that maybe it'll have a conversation that I think a lot of our, so far, a lot of the people that's been tuning in, they, um, a lot of dads, um, a lot of dads and coaches, you know what? A lot of moms, a too. lot of moms, you're and, right. Uh, and we've got a lot of moms involved in the softball world, mm-hmm. uh, heavily involved in the volleyball world. I'm sure the soccer mm-hmm. world. So, and they've got they've got a whole nother weight that they carry. But a lot of them, they're active parents and active careers and active coaches too. So exactly. maybe we can have a conversation on on that. So I think it'll it might set that up pretty well. So you'd ask, yeah, how how or why you you're a pastor? You talked last time about right. a little bit about why you're a coach and your coaching history and. Um, I'll kind of give the uh, maybe the abbreviated version um, to get this going, but let me ask you this: Yeah, when you were when you were a high school senior, did you think that being a pastor was definitely what you wanted to do? Did you know at that point in time in life, or and I'm Man, sure your story a, will tell it. But. Yeah, that's a great question. So yes and no. Um, I, I grew up so in my teenage years, um, I, I sensed something. Um, we would call it a calling. Maybe people say, Hey, this is your purpose, your destiny. So I, um, loved, um, I loved watching pastors on TV, you know, mm-hmm. throw, I throw a name out there. What, Oh, I, I actually hadn't lost it, but you know, some of those Jimmy Swagger back right, in the day, you right. know, he was on TV all the time. My mom would watch him and Rod Parsley up in Columbus. So I always had this thing where I like, like preaching. I don't preach a whole lot and that's great. I'm not good at it. And I don't, I don't, I don't really need that. Um, but I've always had this thing on the inside of um, being maybe attracted to um, ministry. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that started um, uh, well. And then the other side of the coin was from high school. Um, everybody always said, I, I like my, uh, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, when your kids, when your personality comes out in your kids, but it's the side that you don't like, right? <laughs> and your wife looks at you, you know, like, yeah, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my, our, our middle son, he, no, he's, uh, he's very intelligent, but he likes to debate and he likes, uh, sarcasm and he likes to prove you wrong and him. Right. I have one. Of, I have you two, of those. Got two of those. And well, that, that's, that was me. And, uh, I argued all the time. So because of that, um, you know, I always corrected everything and everyone to grammar and right. whatever, you name it, math, whatever, you know, because I was apparently teenage boys smarter than anybody. Yeah. So a lot of people said, you know, hey, you know, um, go to go to law school. I really, I really enjoyed law as well. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll come, maybe we'll come back to that. But so I had two, two things I was really interested in. Um, for me, I think sort of when I look back, reflect on my life, um, so you and I both have a, a love and a passion for youth sports, although I think we might be seasoned out <laughs> or being forced out. I don't know. And so um, we, we both have this love for it. And that started for me. Um, 
I've got, I'm the youngest of three. I've got an older brother, got an older sister. And uh, we, we all played for the merchants. Actually, my brother played for, I don't even know what it was before the merchants, some gas station. I don't know what it was. Somebody, Brian Wickline's going to listen. He'll correct me and tell me what it was. Oh, yeah. He played with my brother. But anyway, um, all three of us played down at Mary Lou for the merchants. And uh, for me, my dad was, was one of my coaches. And, uh, you know, I um, look back and, you know, you always kind of romanticize whether the good or bad you put to the sure. extremes. And so uh, for me, my dad was, was sort, of, sort of my uh, baseball hero. You know, we, we, I just remember playing catch all the time, throwing, throwing ball, football, baseball, you name it, yard. And, and I know looking back now, that's probably not an accurate thing. It's just as a kid, what I remember, he worked, um, he worked at the uh, paper mill at Mead, worked, what do they call it, Southern Swing, trick work. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he wasn't always there. Yeah. But I remember him always being around. And so when I was nine, um, I would have been first year B player. Uh, my dad suddenly passed away. He was, uh, what, 30, 35, 36, something like that. And so I was nine. Sister would have been 11. Bro, older brother would have been 15. And so um, these stories are going to kind of all kind of mesh. Um, so when I was nine, it's February, leap year of all, all days, talking about, you know, just timing. Uh, 1988 leap year, February 29th. And so my dad passed away. And the story that I remember is it was late at night. My dad had gotten in the hospital, in the hospital on Friday, uh, on a Friday, and then died a couple of days later. And brother and sister and I were with the babysitter waiting for, we didn't get to go to the hospital. And uh, later in the evening, uh, car pulls in, um, in, in our, in our driveway. And as I remembered again, I'm, I'm sure mom would tell me the story is not completely accurate, but as I remember, um, looking out the window saying, and I remember either saying or thinking, Hey, that's, that's mom, but that's not dad. And, uh, it was my mom coming in with, uh, we didn't know him at the time. I didn't know him at the time, but with, with a pastor at, at a church that my mom had just started going to a couple months ago with my grandma. Up till then, I didn't, you know, at nine years old, I didn't go to church. Um, family didn't go to church. My mom and grandma started going just right before my dad had passed. And I think mm -hmm. it was just one of those, like, God knew. Right. So anyway, um, this guy came in. Uh, his name is Eric Van Buskirk. And uh, he was uh, the pastor of my church. My, my grandma and mom had just started going to. And uh, he came in to tell, tell us with my mom what had happened to our dad. And I think, you know... Um, kind of fast forwarding through the years, like I'll never forget that. Like um, somebody that I didn't know, um, didn't really know our family um, was there on our worst day. Right. And, and I think so something you asked, you know, in high school, you knew, did you know what you want to be? And I think really that was a defining moment. I didn't know what it was at the age of nine. Sure. But I've always wanted to be, be there on people's worst days. And it's just something that, like, I'll just run any crisis. And so I think God kind of used that pain in my life, that hurt, that sorrow, to say, hey, like, how can you how can you use that for, for good? And um, I think so. Going through my teenage years, high school years, we started, obviously, at that point, we started going to church. Mom, so I went, had, like, a split childhood, you know. Right. Went, before nine years old, they go to church after nine years old. That's all we did was church. And for me, it was like, you know, I lost my dad, but I gained a big family. 
and uh, through the years, like the amount of like different men that came in my life for different seasons that they were maybe an uncle figure, maybe a father figure um, through the years. Um, I just think that God, God put those men in my life at different to be mentors for different things. Um, and so anyway, I think for me that led into, gosh, there's, I think there's something there. And I remember, um, out of nowhere, my, uh, my mom was, she'd watched old Jimmy Swagger, you know, right? and, uh, on whatever, you know, back then he had one little family TV, you know, and, uh, I remember looking at mom and said, I'm going to, I'm going to be a preacher one day, you know? And so I just always, I think been drawn to, um, to church, to ministry, and, be, and I think it's because this the hardest part of my life. I saw what the church could do for a family. And I know that's not everybody's story, um, but it was it, true for me. So always going through uh, high school, had this thought of, you know, what, is, what does that look like for me? What does ministry look like? But I didn't really want to do it either. So originally went to um, start my journey at Ohio Northern, went there for a year. My wife, well, it wasn't my wife at the time. We were dating. I hated it. I I didn't like it. anything about that little, little town. Tundra the frozen tundra. It was frozen, all right. You know, I was living in a freshman dorm. My roommate played football. Uh, he was from Cleveland Heights, and uh, he was a football player. So he he'd have you know he'd have those long days, you know. And so he and I were pretty good friends, but um, I I just didn't like it. It was too small for me. It's just I needed to get, kind of get out and be, get lost in a big world. So. I went to Ohio State after that. Um, I have a, this is an unknown fact, but um, a lot of people don't know this. I, I'm really fascinated by politics. Uh, it's sort of my uh, guilty pleasure or whatever. So, like, <laughs> my one of my favorite days of the year is election night, regardless of who wins. You know, right. I'll stay up all night. You know, it's like Super Bowl for me. And I'll wake up, you know, my wife will wake up 6, 7 in the morning. Are you still awake? Yeah, this is just fascinating TV, you know. Anyway, um, so I majored in political science and um after that just just didn't just just wasn't went to work for the state of ohio for a year was a um work, did an internship with the speaker of the house back in the day um and just still wasn't really wasn't really it you know right. so i think that just uh long story short just learned for me it's, it's just time to to give back to what church gave me and uh, that's really how uh, I got involved in and in starting church or not starting church, but being in ministry and being a pastor. I don't I don't like to I preach maybe four times a year here at Centerpoint. And that's about four times too many. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I just like to, you know, for me, it's like I know um, I know what it's like to for somebody to be there on their worst day. And, and uh, I think um, that's what that's what I enjoy. Not enjoy the moment, enjoy it. But that's what we can be. So, yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that there's true joy in something mm-hmm. like that, but, but there is purpose mm-hmm. and, uh, I think, you know, to fulfill the purpose, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that man who came to give that bad mm-hmm. news, I'm sure he was probably shook a little mm-hmm. bit to do that. And, and although he's probably done it similar mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. however many times, I'm sure that he realized the impact, mm-hmm. but probably not the long-term impact right. that he would have on you. Yeah. I mean, we're looking now, gosh, nearly 30 years later, and right. it still has defined who I am. And, and you're following the footsteps mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. You know? yep. But I think it's interesting that, that your your 
a, a pastor mm-hmm. that doesn't like to preach. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that, you know, I think so many times when, when we think about church or we think about positive things mm-hmm. or athletics or anything else, you know, we define it as what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the work that you do behind the scenes mm-hmm. is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can kind of say the same thing for coaching. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if you're there for those wins and losses and to only be the person that's seen, mm-hmm. that's probably not right. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be there to be impactful to mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of pull them up and pull them along. Even when it's sometimes, you know, you have to say some hard things. Mm-hmm. To them. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had those conversations oh, with, with, with your congregation mm-hmm. of people at times, where you have to tell them something they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I understand that this is where you're at in life, but mm-hmm. you've got to change it if you want. Yep. And that's probably not always well received. No, it's not. You know, I've um, uh, a lot of times, you know, when you meet newer people, a lot of times people come to church for the first time because of a crisis. Right. It could be financial could be economic i lost a job i lost my money um, could be i've ruined my life because of drugs or alcohol it could be um, a lot of times particularly guys it's i messed up my marriage right. and this is this is my last ditch effort to reconcile my marriage and so i've had you know we're sitting in my office and in this office numerous times and with with guys and you have that hard conversation like you need to change for yourself, whatever it is that you, yeah, you made a mistake. Yeah. You screwed up, whatever it is, you've got to do it for yourself. And the hard, the harsh reality is you might change who you change. Some of the things you change your behavior and change who you are on the inside. That might not equal you get, let's say you lost your marriage because you had an affair. You may not get your marriage back, you know, and that's a harsh, the harsh thing to, to right. say and to hear. And, uh, a lot, you know, just like anything else in life, a lot of guys are like, you know, go through it, a, do it a week or two and see if it works. Right. And then a lot of times it doesn't work, you know? And, and I've seen that unfortunately the, too many times. It's, and it's like, it, there's so many parallels and team, team conversations and individual conversations. Right. And, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a corporate America. It's yep. everything else. It all, it's all, ties together with mm-hmm. that, you know, are you there to, to build people up? Mm-hmm. And if you're a person who needs built up, are you receptive to right. what you're hearing mm-hmm. and what are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if you know who this is, uh, maybe you do, but, uh, he's this kind of a country singer, jelly roll. Yep. Man, yep. Jelly. Oh yeah. And he, he, one of the lines to his current song is I only talk to God when I need a favor. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's right. And, and it's kind of like what it you is. said that mm-hmm. people people have come to church because mm-hmm. something bad has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, hey man, yeah. it's been an awesome day. <laughs> yeah. right? thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and, and we need we need we need more mm-hmm. of that in everything that we do. Yeah, uh, and and I think uh, youth sports and we need a whole lot more of man. That was really that was great today. You know, I think yeah. uh, the parallel. I, I think so. Um, and I, I, to your point, when, when you encourage and build up people in, in any walk of life, church, sports, like 
it's not always the easy conversation, right? They got to be honest with people, you know, like, Hey, this part you, you need to work on. Or then sometimes like, Hey, you're doing great here. Like keep doing that. Like when you encourage and build up people, it's not always just the fluff. Right. You know, it's like, like it is because like you and I know each other, I can speak this into your life. Right. And I think it's true in youth sports, but I say on a, a context of church, people should leave church on a Sunday when they have church service. You should not feel fluffy good, but you should walk away feeling pretty good, built up, right? I think same thing about youth sports, you know? We talked about a thing on the first podcast. Like, our responsibility as, as coaches and parents and everybody involved should be at the end of that year, at the end of that experience, four, five, six years, whatever it might be, they, they should feel pretty darn good. Right. That doesn't mean that they did everything right. doesn't mean they don't need to work on stuff, but they should walk away feeling I feel pretty good about this. Yeah. You know, it was a good day. It was a good day. It was a, it was a good, good practice. Day. You right. know, I, I think I heard this, uh, gosh, we can go on this rabbit trail, but, um, you know, with, with, with our first group, you know, it was always like, Hey, don't swim on game day. Right. And I had some, uh, somebody correct me on that. Like, you know, Hey, you've, you've, you, you know, we're, we're blessed. We're privileged. Right. And so, yeah, it might be easy for me to say, not tell my kids not to go swim the day they go swim the next two days. But you might have a, a kid that, that the only thing he has on a Monday afternoon is to go by himself down to the city pool. And that might be the only thing he can do that day right. to stay out that of all kinds of trouble. It might be his babysitting. It might be me as babysitting. Yeah. And so you're going to tell that kid to not go swimming. And if right. he does show up with a little bit of glazed eyes, he can't play baseball that day. You're going to tell a 10 year old that, you know? Right. And it's like, no, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of the way of that. But, um, so yeah, I think for me, you know, the, my story has just been one where I just want to, I don't, I don't care about the spotlight, you know, in any, any walk of my life, it's, you know, I can be behind the scenes and, and help build people up, be on, be there on their best day, be there on their worst day. And, um, yeah, the like coaching though, it's, you're going to take a step couple steps forward some days and then you're going to take a couple backwards, you know, and, right. and uh, are you going to still be there when they're there? So I want to kind of, um, the other part of that story though, Jeff is, um, you know, I talking about my dad being Lily coach. Um, so it was from, for me, um, I went through little league. Um, my dad's best friend was the manager, I think, back in back in. But you brought in, obviously, brought in some new coaches when I got to my last year. And I think, you know, I didn't know. I talked to my mom, like yeah, nine year olds, and I didn't really grasp that dad will never be there. Right. You know, I was like, hey, he just went away for a little bit. He'll eventually come back. And I think when I started getting like eleven and twelve, I think that reality set in. Like, no, he's he's just not going to be here ever again. Right. He's never going to be at this. He's sitting in this dugout. He's never going to be in those stands again. And and going to my my last year of A, like I was ready just to, to give it up and um, talk to my dad's best friend, Craig, who's managing. He kind of talked me into finishing out that year. My mom, actually, here's a story for you. So they brought in some new coaches, and I was I was a pitcher. I'd always pitched. And, uh, you know, I brought in some new guys after that. They didn't know me. I didn't, you know, I didn't really have a lot of ambition, I don't think, emotionally at the time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I wasn't assertive, like, hey, I'm a pitcher, let me pitch. They didn't, you know, they didn't give me an opportunity, whatever. And uh, so I was like, you know what, I think reality set in, things are different. And I told my mom before the start of the season, like, hey, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to quit. And uh, she's like, that's fine. Here's what we're going to do. 
You know, she didn't, you know, she's navigating life without a, without a husband right. and kids without a dad. She's like, so that's fine. We're, I'll drive you over to Craig's house, the manager. You're going to knock on his front door and you're going to tell him yourself. Well, that sucks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I remember she did. They, they lived, uh, gosh, they lived over um, uh, off, off 104 in a little subdivision over there. And um, she drops me off and she didn't get out of the car. And I walk up and it was, it was dark. So it must, I don't know, it's seven, eight o'clock, springtime. Knock on the front door and he came, came out and told him, hey, I think I want to quit. You know, and he said, well, why? So we started talking about it and, you know, he put his arm around me. He's like, no, you're, you're fine. Like I'll go, I'll go to practice with you next, next practice. And his son played, his, we were best friends at the time. And he's like, we'll go. And we'll talk. So anyway, long story short, finished out, finished out that year. But, um, I quit playing baseball after that. That's one regret looking back, but I, it was, that was the one thing that, that dad and I had. Right. And it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm over it, you know? And, um, so when my kids fast forward 20, 30 years, well, first time we pick up baseball, you know, three, four, five years old, and they fell in love with the game. Right. I was like, man, I got, I got my shot at not being this, you know. And so anyway, I talk about being a dad, being a coach. You've got experience in both worlds, and uh, for me, it comes down to, you know, how have you navigated those worlds? You know, how do you, how, how do you be a dad at all levels of sports? How do you be a coach at all levels of sports? Um, for me. Um, even the older I get, the one thing that, um, and again, it comes from this pain point for me is I just, I want to be there, you know, one way or the other, I will be there. Now having three kids that played baseball on the same season, <laughs> can't always be beat all of them no. right, and everywhere, but no, the logistics of life are challenging, <laughs> yeah, but still there. that doesn't change the yeah. principle of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Sometimes I've done it really poorly. Mm -hmm. um, I think early on, like with, especially with my oldest one, I, I didn't do it very well mm -hmm. at all. Um, because I, again, I, I already coached older kids and, and then I expected my oldest one to have the same mentality mm -hmm. of which I did. Mm -hmm. And he's not. Right. It's not who he is. Mm -hmm. And I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to see that because of all kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't coach any single kid the same way mm -hmm. because they're not going to respond. And, and I was more based on what I had been learned or taught you mm -hmm. know, through old school type coaches and stuff like that. And, you know, my dad coached me a little bit like in mm -hmm. little league growing up and, and my dad, uh, when I was a little kid, and we still lived in West Virginia, uh, he got out of the army, and he went back and he coached Babe Ruth there. Mm -hmm. He didn't have you know any, anything in that, and so he was always a baseball guy, mm -hmm. and uh, we'd throw and stuff. But mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the one, the one, the one piece of advice that I would give any any parent, mm -hmm. whatever sport they're coaching. If you make this statement, please stop coaching. Mm. And that is, well, I'm harder on my kid <laughs> than anybody else's kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, why? Mm -hmm. So if you're a coach, then you want to coach them. Mm -hmm. Now, so why would you single out your child to yell at 
and make feel horrible mm-hmm. versus somebody like if if you're that kind of coach, mm-hmm. then that's who you're going to coach across the board. Mm-hmm. But but don't don't just be harder on your child because it's your child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just coach them all the same. Just coach them all the same. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. be they'll they'll be thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you rip three of them and he's one of them or so she's one of them, so, okay, so, so be it. That's life, right? right. But but not everybody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think for for me, I, I've just I've, I've been been blessed that that I had the opportunity to learn to coach uh, without coaching my children. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I don't enjoy coaching mine very mm-hmm. much anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I think their perspective perception of it is something that this was like last night we were at the little kids camp and Knox mm-hmm. came up in my drill, mm-hmm. you know, like get in a stance. <laughs> Right, he gets in a stance. It was horrible. I said, "Come on, man!" I right. said, "Get your butt up, get your foot back, get your hand out, let's go." Right, and then he did all right, that right. stuff. So we get in the car. Now that and that was the tone, you know. And right. I'm smiling. Right, right. And there's three high school guys there, and they're like, "Come on!" And yeah. uh, we get in the car. And he goes, "Why was you so mean to me?" <laughs> I wasn't mean to him, you know. But so, but I think it's important that we keep their perception of how. Yeah. We speak, and I'm learning every day. Oh man, I'm just not very good at it. Yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, it's a challenge, you know. I think we've got I've got three three boys, and different, you know, from nine to eighteen, you know. And you, you said some earlier. You can't you can't do, teach them all the same, coach them all the same, and your own kids are different. Oh man, well, London is vastly different than Isaiah Noah. I've got I had, and I'm grateful because I've had to learn all over again, like. How to how to coach a kid that has deals with a little bit more stress and anxiety that um, as a, who cares right now may not be athletically gifted who cares right you know but you know what he's out there trying he's giving his best you know how I communicate how my verbal cues you know it's all different you know you gotta get in the car when why are we meeting me oh whoa whoa hang on let's talk about this right. I gotta learn you know I, I I I've got one I've got one exactly the same way. And I can literally, I can look at him like, now if we're home and he didn't pick up something, I look at him, he's really not that emotional. <laughs> right, right. But, but out there, you know, he doesn't put himself out there or anything mm-hmm. else. And um, and it, it, it's a challenge. But. All right, we're picking up where we left off, talking about coaching our own kids. And I, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, but. Um, but, you know, I think if, you, if you're coaching a, a lot of other people's mm-hmm. children, you need to be able to pick up on those children's triggers as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you have to be compassionately stern mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think I think as a parent, I don't care what, what sport it is, what you know, mom, dad, whoever's doing this mm-hmm. coaching, it, it's a tough thing. And mm-hmm. you're always going to, someone's always going to have the perception of, parent ball Mm -hmm. now if you display characteristics that that's exactly what you're doing then so be it and it's on you and you own it yep okay um but i think uh it's it's just hard yeah it is yeah we've had to we've had to live that and i come through with um years ago always said hey once these kids get out of little league we're, we're done and and we here we are we keep going with this this group of kids love them to death knuckleheads but 
couple years ago, I'm like, hey, some of these, and honest to goodness, some of some of them, if, if not all of them, they, they really just need to go somewhere else for, for the advancement of their own game, honestly. But for emotionally and just having fun, like I think they, they're, they're a good fit for them. You know, they just come off the rigors of high school ball, and now they get to kind of relax a little bit with a different team and improve, play more, whatever. But anyway, we always said, no, we're just not going to do it anymore because you know, you're always going to contend with, with daddy ball. But I think sure. we've always – We've got a, such a good group that I don't think people worry about that. Um, but uh, I was, a few years ago, somebody said I was asking, you know, hey, like, what? Where are they going? Where are they go next? You know, what are these kids going to do? And uh, and somebody said, well, if you don't coach, who's coaching? Like, who else is around? There really, and there really isn't. Right. You know, a lot of I think there's one or two other teams, and they're all they're, they're accounting for. And so we just made a decision, like, hey, like, I'm. Me personally, I'm not driving to Cincinnati and Columbus, you know, every couple times a week for baseball practice and games, you know. Right. So let's just let's just stay local. And if that means that, you know, a dad's coaching, a dad's coaching, you know. So. Well, you know, I mean, nine times out of ten, a parent's going to be the coach or something. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, even, even the high school coaches are still parents. Right. And, and sometimes we're fortunate <laughs> enough to have our yeah. children roll through the program. Right. Which is, is, is great. And, yeah. And, Typically, not a big deal, right? Um, but you know, you, you made you, you made an interesting comment there. You said you know they probably all need to go someplace for the for the mm-hmm. advancement of their game. Mm-hmm. Do they? <laughs> I mean, uh, think about it. are you, are you teaching fundamentals? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you are you teaching accountability? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, sportsmanship, uh, being a good human. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're teaching those four things, yep. Then they're probably not. And then how many of these guys are going to get drafted? Right. Okay. So, so now they're, they're learning those four things and they're having fun while they're doing it. And they're having fun. Yeah. Sorry, bud. You're, well, you're I, I agree. That's what I said a few years ago. That's why I would have been right there. Like, man, I, you know, I, I think I even said before, like I told a couple parents, like, Hey, like developmentally, they might need to go somewhere else, you know, yeah. like here's who we're going to be. We're going, we're going to do those things. And at the end of the day, they're going to be a, a, a really good high school baseball player and learn all the other things that will carry them on into life. So right. I think that's, you know, so yeah, you know, if you ask now, like, Hey, do you think they're where they need to be? Yeah. Uh, if they're, if they want to be a part of this and there's high accountability, there's fun. So it's a little, the environment's different. And I think that's good for them, right. you know? Um, so we talked a little bit about coaching our kids, um, something that maybe just shift gears, but, and we've talked about parents already too, but uh, something that just drives me crazy, and I've been guilty. We've all been guilty, I'm sure. You know, you're watching. It could be a little league, could be you know bitty ball, it could be at the high school level. But you see these parents the whole time; they're on their phones, not even engaged at all in the game. And I know that's a trigger for me, just because again, you know, my my dad wasn't there, my mom was there. She, I gave her a hard time my senior year. Of, football season um and i know my mom listens so she's gonna get a kick out of this but <laughs> senior year football season um my sister and my mom took a vacation to the beach we didn't do a summer vacation but they went and uh, during football season missed a game you know yeah. and, and uh, so i gave her a hard time but she missed it she missed a <laughs> game she didn't miss much for some reason i don't know how we ended up playing a team from sabina arizona travel football team came in from arizona and beat the tar out of us, <laughs> as you'd expect. If you're going to travel, right. 
cross states that far, you're probably pretty good. You know? Exactly. So anyway, I give my own hard time. But for me, it was, you know, my, my dad wasn't there. So I know I had to say trigger when I look up in the stands or in the bleachers and, you know, parents are on, not videoing. You know, that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation that right, drives me right, crazy. Right. But, you know, they're just, they're on their phone, not even paying attention to their kids at all. I'm like, what are you doing? I just want to slap it out of their hands, you know? Right. <laughs> now, and I am guilty of that. Yeah, I, I am guilty, guilty of that. Too. There. Um, and, and I used to, you know, blame it on, you know, somebody need a quote on something. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, and, and, but I always kind of made excuses. Yeah. But I try not to be, some, but sometimes, now I'll be honest with you, now for me, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, it's also a distraction from what could trigger me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I'll do that too. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I'll do this. So I don't do that. Right. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you're right. You know, if you're, if you want to be there, be present yeah. and, and watch and support, and yeah. support everybody. Support it's, everybody. It's a really cool thing when people cheer for everybody. I know. <laughs> you know, even if, even if it's the shortstop who just robbed your kid by a great play. <laughs> Cheering on, still a great right. play, you know. Right. I uh, I was walking through. Um, it was a few weeks. So it was it was a summer game, but it it was kid pitch. But they looked pretty small. They were like nine or ten, and and I remember conversations we just had. And I get it. It is what it is, right? But a kid hit a routine pop up to second baseman, right? You know, second baseman misses it. So then all the parents of the te- you know, the kid that hit the ball, all they're, they're like, you know, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I'm like, well, yeah. And I'm like, but, you know, what? I don't know. It's kind of, like, that's kind of a weird thing, you know, cheering on. The, are you cheering on your kid being on base or are you cheering on the kid missing the ball, you know? Exactly. But whatever. I, I probably cheer too, you know, kids on base. But it, the things that happen down there as a parent's really, it's really funny. It's, uh, do you think I'll ask this question and I, 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 don't, I don't assume they knew the answer, but talking about, you know, just being, being a dad, being a mom and, and I've never really thought through the, the female perspective, the mom perspective, I'm sure it exists too. It seems more prevalent to me, but that's just my, probably my bias towards observation of this, but, um, dads living through their kids. Talk about, have you seen, have you seen that? Have you seen the ugly side of that? And, and what do you think drives that? I, I have very much seen ugliness of it um, uh, fairly, fairly recently. But um, I think I think that sometimes you you might you, you might have a parent who uh, let's just say that that they weren't, and I hate the word popular because I it's just mm-hmm. yeah yeah I don't want to say stupid, but it, it's it's a it's a poor place that we've yeah. developed in our culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. But let's say we've got somebody who, who was more of a loner in school and, and maybe wanted to participate in athletics, but mm-hmm. just physically couldn't mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, or maybe mentally couldn't or whatever the case may be. And they want and, and they always were the person that's left out. Or, mm-hmm. And so then they marry well and some some or, or not necessarily marry well, but, you know, their DNA mixed with whoever they they mm-hmm. entered into childbirth with, <laughs> right? Um, kind of gave their kids some some ability, mm-hmm. and I think those, sometimes those people go so overboard uh, trying to to they do live through their children because mm-hmm. it's 
you know, there maybe it's a protective thing where they're not going to allow what they felt yeah, happened to yeah. them to happen to their children. Mm-hmm. Um, or, but I think the guy, the, the people who are the worst ones who live through their children mm-hmm. are the ones that were maybe a little bit more accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they, they seem to think that it's a direct reflection. Their children are a direct reflection upon them as, mm-hmm. as a player. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've talked about yeah. that a little bit where, you know, your your child's success or failures is not a reflection upon your abilities. No, it's not. Uh, your DNA, maybe, yeah, but not mm-hmm. your not your abilities. And, and people have a tendency, I think, to get embarrassed mm-hmm. by that. And I think that's the flip side of the worst side of mm-hmm. living through your children is you're expecting them to be you. And I've already mm-hmm. told you, I, I made that mistake early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's part of that, too. Mm-hmm. But it's just both ways and, and, and it is it's bad i know it I, I you know my wife is heavily involved in the volleyball world mm-hmm. in this community and uh, she she came from a very very successful program she mm-hmm. had personal success uh, she's had personal success as a coach and it's going to be interesting to see how she handles <laughs> coaching our daughter oh yeah <laughs> uh but she said you know you, she says you see that in volleyball all the time mm-hmm. too where you know you've maybe you've got a mom who couldn't or didn't, but the child has the ability and, and, you know, it's just like, boom, mm-hmm. right there over your face and really, uh, you know, hanging on every, every success. And I, I don't know. It's, does it chill out? I mean, I, I, I it seems more, um, noticeable maybe at, at youth sports and maybe in the in junior high, but does it start to chill out a bit when you get into high school? I think it does mm-hmm. uh, does a little bit, but I think the reason for it is it kind of a little bit sad because, uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it, it, a lot of the, a lot of the drop off comes from kids not continuing to participate, and, and probably in part due to probably so. all that early mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. to be something that maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you still have it, yeah, um, but it's not. It's not as bad. Mm-hmm. I think once you get through junior high sports, it, things settle down to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about maybe just a shift in that conversation? What about like at the high school level? So it chills out a little bit as far as, you know, living through your kids. But what about the helicopter parents? You know, the ones that are always, you know, they do everything for, you know, little Johnny, who's not little anymore, but, you know, young man, young woman, you know, and I think I, I've seen a post, it gets, you know, one of the few that I follow, it gets shared every couple of months, but basic premise is, you know, hey, I'm a high school coach. I don't need to text you mom and dad about when practices are and what time they need to be where this is, we're trying to teach these to be young men and women, right? but you still have these helicopter parents that think they've got to be deeply involved and ask all the questions every day. And so what does that look like? It's, 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 it's really, um, <laughs> it, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, as an assistant coach, I don't deal with it too much yeah, anymore. Yeah, thankfully. Um, right. Um, <laughs> but, but it kind of goes back to, you set the tone, I think with your kids early and this will sound silly and, and, and hopefully it doesn't really offend anybody because mm-hmm. it's not meant to offend anybody. I promise. 
But like, I won't carry my kids' backpacks. Mm. I tell them, I say, look, man, I didn't get to play today. I'm not mm-hmm. carrying the stuff. Now, if I'd have gotten that bat, I'd carry it for you. Yeah. Right? But what what does that do? It makes them make sure that all their stuff is in the bag. Mm-hmm. And it makes them responsible for getting it to the car. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe. And I'm not, I'm not trying to. I, I don't feel like when I do that, I'm not instilling this fact in my mind to say, okay, so now maybe they won't forget their football helmet before they go to football practice. Right. Because I'm not taking it that deep. Right, but right. I think if you get used to being in charge of your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm sick, I'm not going to text my mom mm-hmm. and say, mom, will you call Chuck Coffee City School? <laughs> as much as I like to. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. So, but it is, it becomes, it becomes that child's uh, responsibility to communicate with mm-hmm. the person that's mm-hmm. in charge of their program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of like the same thing with homework. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a little bit of issue this, this year with Knox. I missed some school. He was sick. He missed some school. And it's like, you've got homework to make up. We're, we're not calling. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy for them to find that stuff right. out now. Right. So, but if you, but if you constantly are that parent who, you know, calls the teacher. Well, what's wrong? Why? Why has he got this great? Why hasn't? You know, well, you can see it all as a parent now. Yeah, here it all is. But but it's the same thing. If you don't make him responsible for mm-hmm. being letting at least letting you know when there's because obviously all the high school kids don't drive. Right. Uh, even if they're old enough, they don't drive. But if you don't if you don't make them be the one who's responsible for at least communicating with mm-hmm. their parent at what time they're supposed to be there. And then when it's their responsibility to get there themselves, mm-hmm. what they're supposed to have, you know, what next week's schedule mm-hmm. is. I mean, because we put out thousands of calendars for them. You know, there's a calendar. 85 apps. I mean, we've, yeah. made, it, we've made it easier. I know. <laughs> it's exhausting, but it's easier. But, yeah, we had, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if this still exists. I don't know if it's inhumane now or whatever. But, you know, you had that in football in high school, you had that you had that one extra practice gear that never got washed. Yep. And you only forgot your practice gear one time and you put that on. And yes. you're like, I will never forget it again. You right. know? <laughs> Worked every time. Now, you know what the oddest thing is? I don't think kids care about that anymore. <laughs> no. It's amazing. Oh, and and inevitably, you'll have a senior. Guys, take your stuff just, home and wash it. Just tonight. wash it. And then they'll and then go put it back on. It's like. You know, I can smell it. I know right. you can smell it. Right. So, but, uh, but yeah, you got to, you got to allow your children to be responsible. They for have to, they gotta, you got to, you know, it's, it's bigger than, it's bigger than that sport. You know, it's life lessons. Man. What about, what about at the high school level, um, or you can talk at any level, really, um, that, you know, the, we're talking about the parents that, you know, again, that there's a fine line between being involved and being over involved, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's unique. With every kid in every situation, but um, what about the, the parent that, hey coach, how come how come my kid's not playing this position? Or hey coach, how come my kid's not getting enough playing time here? Hey coach, you know, I just saw somebody post this morning uh, a coach in you know one of these baseball groups that I'm in is like, 
hey parents what do you what do you expect do you think all, all your kids are the shortstop and bat first you know right but so how's how about that how's that has that happened much of the at the high school level you know the hey my co- head coach so and so should be playing here here and here and more sure it does and, and again i'm sheltered from a little bit yeah uh not not being a head coach because number one i have gotten to the point where um I refuse to form relationships with mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. Um, at that level. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm, I'll be, yeah, cordial, mm-hmm. but we're not having, we're not texting, right. and I just don't need that in yeah. life. But I, I knew when, like when I left, when I left Circleville, um, where I had been born, well, not born, but where I was raised mm-hmm. and graduated from and played ball from. Uh, to go, and then I went to Paint Valley where I knew nobody. And, and that was part of the reason because I was starting to have kids at Circleville that I had been so, so close around their parents. Yeah. And, and it, you know, grew up around mm-hmm. their parents. And it just wasn't enjoyable when I got down there. And, uh, so, but yeah, that you, you do, you, you get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I know then I would get it like out my front yard. Hey, man, you know, why is, why is he hitting like third or fifth instead of third? Right. I don't know because he doesn't hit the ball very well. Right. And, and I didn't want to have those honest conversations with those people that I've yeah. grown up with. But, um, yeah, head coaches get it all the time. And, and most head coaches will and they'll have a couple rules that are always in place. Number one, if you bring up another kid's name, the meeting's over. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about positions. We're not going to talk about playing time. We'll talk mm-hmm. about how does your kid get better, mm-hmm. you know, What's your kid's practice like? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's his work ethic like? You, you want to have those yeah. honest conversations, uh, but it probably happens more than more than you think. And my guess, well, I know it happens in baseball, but my guess would be probably is probably predominant in, in like basketball. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, there's you know there's only five there's dudes you can play, right? There's only five, <laughs> and uh, and everybody's everybody gets slighted. Yeah. So help, help me out here because I think it's a great conversation. So your coach, I'm a dad, and I've got a lot of moms and dads listening here. And, uh, and again, so kind of heard my experience, you know, I, uh, even at, at the age of 12, mom's like, hey, if you want to quit, great, you go talk to coach. You know, that was, that was a very harsh line. And, and uh, at, at no point do I ever recall my mom ever having a conversation with a coach about any, anything um, or me or her. Um, and, and so I think I've probably brought that in with my kids. Like, we, you know, if, if you want to talk about playing time, I've never had a conversation with a coach, never, about playing time, about any of these things. Um, I know with, with them, hey, if you, if you want to talk about what can you do to get better, what can you do to get more time on the floor, the court, the field, whatever, you go talk to coach. Right. And so I don't know. Is it okay for, I mean, you know, it, seems, it happens all the time. I know it does. I, I hear about it. You've talked about it. Is it okay for mom and dad to go talk to coach? Or should we teach our kids, like, hey, what? You go have that conversation. I don't yeah. know if there's a right or wrong, but help, help out the parents here. I, I, I don't, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think there's enough necessarily right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But the kids do need to go have that conversation. Yeah. And, and the kids and the coaches are going to have an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. A parent, their emotions are going to get in, involved. 
and then things mm-hmm. can get rough. You know? uh, I'll say this to a parent. If you really feel as if you need to go have a conversation, and, and we're talking high school here, yeah. because there's not these processes in place for, for youth leagues. Right. But chances are you, you have a chain of command mm-hmm. of process in place, and it's probably in those rules mm-hmm. that you get and you sign and right. then don't read. Okay. <laughs> But but it's probably going yeah. to say, you know, if I have an issue, I'm first going to contact the head coach. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't resolve my issue, then I'm to contact the AD. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also will tell you that please do not approach us after a practice mm-hmm. or after a game. Mm-hmm. Let your emotions settle down and simmer until the next mm-hmm. day. And if you still feel like you need to make that phone call to set up that meeting, mm-hmm. then by all means, mm-hmm. set it up. But make sure it's for the right reasons. Right. You know, if if you thought your kid should have had 30 touches on the football last night and he only got 15, <laughs> you know, don't don't make that call. Right. Don't do it. It's not worth it. No, because there's just, you know, you, what, what, you weren't at practice. You weren't, you weren't right. at that Sunday meeting when we say, you know, they're going to shut this down, but we feel like this is open. This is how we're going to win the football game. Mm-hmm. You know, we're preparing for 70 kids. Right. We're, we're, we're there for 70 kids, right. not one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure you're coming for the right yeah. reasons. You know, if you feel like your kid is getting uh, verbally or, or yeah. mentally abused by a coach, mm-hmm. okay, absolutely. have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you think your kid's getting bullied, you know, probably investigate it a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. Um, because some of that is learning to deal with each other in, mm-hmm. in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, make, make sure there's a valid reason before yeah. you call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, don't, don't, don't approach people when we just finish practice. Oh or, yeah. It's just the heat of the moment's never well. It's just no, never well for no. either party. And, you know, some some of the the coaches I've been around in life, you know, they're they're uh, very compassionate, loving people towards your children. But if you get them at their own time for something silly, yeah. and it's it's going to be it's, ugly, it's and, ugly. And, and it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's that some good good thoughts. If I could uh, maybe reverse that, dad to coach, you know, um, I would say the only thing I would say for coaches just be honest with the kids. Just be honest, you know, I've, I've navigated um, a couple situations. Um, and I just had a, a friend of mine go through this with one of his kids where kid addresses or asks coach about whatever and, and coach deflects it to somebody else. And I've, I've had that with, with a couple of our boys. It's like, hey, just be honest, you know, if, right. to me, right? You, you've said a few times like, hey, the, you know, it's the head coach has had to have the majority of these conversations, naturally so. And so... At the end of the day, if the head coach didn't make that decision, they know about it, and they right. should take ownership and and accountability of that decision. So, don't deflect it back to another coach, and then you go to that coach, and they're like, "Well, no, that's the head coach's call." Nope, nope. Just own it. Just be honest. Right. I, I've, I've said this before, and, and maybe even here, but I just told my buddies kind of going through it too. It's like, man, the kids can handle honesty. They may not like it. But they want it. They want it. They want just be honest with me, coach. And I think that's and that's what I've always told our kids. Like, hey, like you go have your conversations, and, and I trust they're going to be honest. I, 
speaking as a dad here, right? And, and uh, I know coaches know, you know, way more than I do. Whatever. I, I say that maybe tongue in cheek. They do though. But, but I, um, I'm not going to argue X's and O's, even if I don't agree why you did this here, that, you know, but I trust you're making decisions based on information you have, the resources, players you have. I'm going to leave all that aside, but just be honest with the kids, you know? I agree with you hundred percent. And I had this conversation with, uh, with coach tricks two weeks ago when, when I found myself upset over a situation that, you know, I went through, uh, with, with the youth league stuff. And, uh, and I told him, I said, I was just, I was just honest with what I said. Yeah. And I said, you know, and, and I always reflect back on, on the lessons I've learned from you. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that he was never going to do, he was not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you said, you know, I really want to try to pitch and he might say, I've watched you throw and you throw 62 mile an hour and you can't throw a strike. So you're right. not pitching. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Right. It's not who God made you to be. Yeah. It, so you, you do, mm-hmm. you just tell them. Now, you tell them. Yeah. Don't sugarcoat No. Because we all know sugar's bad for you. Sugar's right? bad for you, kid. Yeah, exactly right. You, you feel for a kid. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think I think that's the greatest thing about football. Is number one, you have you can have as many people as you want, right? There's not a roster limit. There's not they don't cut, at least yeah. not around here. Right. We're lucky to fill our roster. Yeah, exactly. There's a purpose for every child in a game of football. Mm-hmm. Can he play? Yes. Can he play? Nope. Is he going to be better for that mm-hmm. whole process? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but but within that, you don't you don't have a kid who, um, you know, who who might be 125 pounds mm-hmm. but says he wants to be a defensive tackle. No, I'm you know that's that's not what you're built for. Yeah. You know, and I love your passion, mm-hmm. uh, but you're it, you're not going to get any Friday night starts that way. Which is not going to happen. Yep. And they'll be like, oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. or hey, look, man, I know you you grew up wanting to be a quarterback. But you're probably an offensive tackle, mm-hmm. and so let's let's focus on that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's or you might have the guy who's just never going to play. Right. You know, hey man, I, I love you being yeah. in this program. I'm glad you're here. I love it. You, mm-hmm. you know, you bring you bring something to this program, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get to play a lot. Right. Don't say you know if you do this and this, it, yeah, because you probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. And so, but but above all, above all else, if both yeah. parties are honest, yeah. and both parties can handle the honesty, mm-hmm. then in the end, it's going to be a positive situation. Yeah, I agree. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, we've uh, we're about to hit an, another thirty minutes here, so an hour conversation. So it seems just to go that fast. It does. You know, it really it just does. goes quickly. So, Jeff, I always appreciate the time, the conversation. You bring a lot of uh, insight and wisdom, and all perspectives, coaching and being a parent and so i appreciate you my friend well likewise and i enjoyed it and uh, you know it's kind of funny when we talked about this with the i will try to do it once a month <laughs> and, and now it's like yeah. how, how can and we get another always looking for the next one right. i saw some people put some feedback on some man it, hey can you talk about this bullying and uh talk about you know what to do at the pony level after kids go from and so anyway some good stuff hey i want to go back to that that, that see if maybe we can get some clarification on yeah. that one question the, the person that asked uh, can you talk about bullying mm-hmm. and 
if your child is the bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just kind of like to yeah have I, a little bit more because yeah. that that seems a, a, like an interesting it does. conversation I, yeah, to, I, of a parent who's taking some ownership. Yep, I agree. So, I thought the same thing. So if you're listening here, I know you are. Uh, clarify that one a little bit. We'll follow up too because that'd be a great conversation absolutely. to have. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, my friend. We'll see you next time. Awesome. See you.